FYI, this podcast contains spoilers. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 164 of the podcast that goes snicked. Snicked. We're your hosts, Jason and Denise Venable. What's up? Not much. Uh, We're here to talk about the first issue of the ongoing series, Old Man Logan. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, let's uh, talk about this. And we'll do some other comics too, some other Wolverine-related comics. But um, our focus is going to be the kickoff of Jeff Lemire and Andre Sorrentino's Old Man Logan series. So I have a question for you. Oh, wait. What? This is our intro, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay, never mind. I'll hold off till we get to the Please comic. Please hold all questions. Sorry, I just got excited. <laughs> <laughs> well, then let's jump right to it, huh? Enough of this BS. All right. All right. Let's Here do it. Here we go. So first up, we have Old Man Logan, number one. I've uh, been pretty curious to see what Lemire does with this book. Of course, Sorrentino did the Secret Wars miniseries with Bendis. But now Lemire's writing with the same artist. So I was curious to see kind of how much it connected and where Lemire was going to go with it. Mm-hmm. So were you? could you say that you were excited to read this book apprehensive to read this book or just on the fence um i was mildly excited i mean the original old man logan story is pretty great and uh the secret wars miniseries we had was good like mm-hmm. it started off really good and kind of just slowly well no, i'll tell you back it started off great and kind of slowly declined to pretty good okay like, and, you know, I think we started off with fives and sixes and ended up at fours and threes by the time it was over. Right. So, you know, I wasn't real sure. And plus also our experience with Lemire on Extraordinary X-Men had me a little more cautious as well because that book started off so good and then has kind of already started to peter out a little bit. Right. Which we'll talk about another issue of that this episode as well. <laughs> Stay tuned. Um <laughs> But no, I mean, I I was excited to read it, but not overly excited. So you were on the fence. Coming into the issue. Yeah, but but more on the positive side. Okay. What about you? Were you looking forward to it? I was. (laughs) And then I read it. Okay, so, wow, we're going to have another episode of Differing Opinions. (laughs) We are. (laughs) So I take it you didn't care too much for this. You know what? I well, first, let's talk about the, the team overall. Okay. So this chapter one is Berserker. It's written by Jeff Lemire with art by Andrea Sorrentino, color art by Marcello Maiolo, letters by VCs Corey Pettit. Woohoo! And then Sorrentino and Maiolo did the cover. Now, on this cover, we have like a split panel 
with our cool Old Man Logan logo still. And then we have Logan, Old Man Logan in a typical kind of Loganese bomber's jacket. He's got his claws out. And he's in a lot of shadow. And the cover's split in half. On one half, we have, like, the past. Or his his past that's the possible future. Uh-huh. Where everything gets destroyed by the villains and the hulks and the wasteland and all that. Get your org charts out, people. Yeah. Then on the other side, we have the current post-Secret Wars present. And I, I like that the two heroes, because they picked two heroes in the background. And I like that these two heroes are two kind of newer heroes, kind of showcasing the diversity of the new Marvel lineup. You know, we have Jane Foster as Thor and Miles Morales as Spider-Man. And we have in on the Times Square kind of famous moving billboard that's in, right in the middle there. We have Sam Wilson as Captain America. Okay. So I enjoyed that. Uh, what do you think about the cover? I liked it a lot. I was hoping it wasn't a prequel to the art on the inside, to which I was solely disappointed. I am discovering that there are, there are styles of comic book art that I thoroughly enjoy, and then there are styles that I just I can't get behind. It's not my thing. Now you've been you've been on a roller coaster, a Sorrentino roller coaster. Yes. And you didn't care for his art as much. Nope. During the Black Vortex. Series. Nope. But then you really liked it at the beginning of Old Man Logan, I, the miniseries. I did. And then you kind of got lukewarm on it as it went. Yes, and I, I am discovering if I feel like the art enhances the storyline, then I'm digging it. And that's kind of what I've noticed. If it enhances the storyline and helps tell the story a little bit better through the art, I thoroughly enjoy it. When I feel like it's just there, it's just, oh, this is how I doodle, then huh. I don't dig it. In that's, fact, it bugs me and it frustrates me. <laughs> okay. Well, I feel the total opposite of that. Okay. I feel like the grit and the tone and then the color work and the st- and just led to the emotional impact of the story. Well, now don't get me wrong. I thought the color work was, I don't want to say overly well done. It was good. I enjoyed it. And I thought the color work helped tell the story that was going on. And there were panels in this that, because of their grit, made the panel. It told the story that was trying to be told within that panel. However, I kind of got tired of certain things. I felt like the artist just said, oh, I haven't done this in a while, so I'm going to do this again. And it started to become cliche, and it started to be, I could almost guess when I would flip the panel, oh, they're going to do this thing again. Oh, I was right. <laughs> That's a fair criticism, and we'll we'll talk about some of that as, as we encounter it. All right, so. So can I give my synopsis? Okay, go for it, and then I'll, I'll carry Give a real the, synopsis? Yeah. <laughs> So here's my synopsis. Old man Logan wakes up delirious, naked, meets an a slightly... And old. And old. Meets a Spider-Man that I didn't even recognize because it doesn't even look like Spider-Man. I'm pretty sure that's a cosplayer. Okay. I was going to say. <laughs> Spidey's been eating a couple cheeseburgers while he's trying to escape from police because the police want to arrest him for not having any clothes on. Mm-hmm. But yet, don't give him anything to cover up with. So now we have naked old man Logan running around with his junk flying everywhere. 
him trying to find clothes, and all he finds is a hat that makes him reminisce of his son, who basically called him a weenie for not standing up to a bully. So then he decides, well, it doesn't matter what world I'm in. I'm going to go after the bully that was a bully in my world, in this world. And scene. Well, he's, he's trying to prevent the future in his own way. Yes, but the future, if anything that time travel movies have taught us, <laughs> <laughs> is that it's a different reality. Ergo, you can't guarantee the same thing is going to happen. Right. We're just making sure. That's what Logan does. Uh-huh. All right. So you got the first part right. He wakes up old and naked. Old and naked. <laughs> and grumpy as hell. Because his junk <laughs> is flapping around. Um, and he does get in an old man naked fight, which kind of reminded me of, um, is it Eastern Promises with uh, Viggo Mortensen, where he has the, the naked fight in the steam room with the Russian mobster? I have no idea. Oh, that movie's so good. That, better than History of Violence, in my honest opinion. His body my reminded me of... Arnold Schwarzenegger, but now. I don't think he's not big enough. No, just how bubbly he bubbly. is in certain okay. parts. So these tattoos, or does he have like time travel slime on him? Where are you looking? In any of the panels here in the beginning, he's got like green and brown smudge. I think it's dirt. Okay. Or it's just the grit. That's what was confusing is it's either dirt or it's like the grit from the artist trying to portray his like ruggedness and it's not rugged. Okay. I'm going to call it time travel residue. Gross. <laughs> so anyway, he wakes up and he sees a uh, Spider-Man cosplayer. And yeah, he does. He gets accosted by the cops. We do get a lot of kind of the same stuff. Kind of the sound effect big in the background with a monochromatic square in the middle kind mm-hmm. of framing. So I I didn't mind it, but I see your point. Yeah. Then, of course, he gets shot by the cop. And he did, they do the little square thing again. Yes. Um, and he gets confused, and then suddenly all his memories come flooding back in a double-page spread that's all white and red and orange with a big snick behind him as he kind of spreads his arm uh, in the in the what I like to call the Wolverine slash Jesus pose, yeah, and we've seen a lot. This is nothing new, no. but it's where Wolverine kind of like I think it's even in the movie in the movies a couple of times where he like kind of howls whatever and throws his arms back with his claws out. But he, yeah, he remembers everything, all the stuff from the old man Logan universe where the heroes. We're all defeated by the villains who all bonded together, led by the Red Skull and laid waste to the earth. And, you know. And I thought this. So, this is a panel that I thought the grit. It looks really good on your iPad. It does. And this. Particularly because there's no fold in the middle. Yeah. Well, and I think you get more of a vibration, like snicked. Looks like it's vibrating on the sides and then it, it focuses yeah. in in the middle. And I think the iPad shows it off or showcases it a little bit better. Yeah, no, it looks it looks great on the iPad. It looks good on the paper, but it looks great on the iPad. But this is one of those that, but it was one of those where I felt like this is where the grit comes in handy. Because this to me tells a story of his memories flooding back and of um, just the pain of it all, so to speak. Right. But what did frustrate me, and this is just the artist in me, you can tell they did this in the computer and they copied and pasted a lot of techniques over again because I can see the patterns. The T-Rexes are identical. Their teeth are identical. 
there there's slight differences like in the little jolly wobble under their jaw. Their teeth aren't the same. Yeah, they are. Look at the front teeth on the bottom jaw. Yeah, but look at like here, like they changed a few little things, but it's the same T Rex. All right. And whoever drew it, I'm sorry, who drew this again? Sorrentino. Yeah. If you can prove me wrong, do it. <laughs> because I know he's listening. Look, the flames right here on either side. And the flags. Yeah, they're identical. So basically he was like copy paste, copy well, so paste. It's a reflected image. I don't I don't see any flaw in that. Uh it bugged me. Okay. I just kind of felt like in this day and age of the digital world where you can copy and paste and make things look the same, I get it on a few things where people aren't gonna notice, but he did it in two places that I noticed. <laughs> And that bugged me. All right. Fair enough. Oh, and his splatters are the same. He just copied and pasted those. But anyway, I'm over it. <laughs> Life okay. goes on. All right. So Wolverine escapes from the cops. I'm oh, sorry. We already have a Wolverine. Old Man Logan. This, that'll be the bane of my podcasting for the next however many years. Not calling him Wolverine. Yeah. And I don't want to because I, I like the Wolverine we have now. And I don't want to make the mistake, but it's just old habits die hard. Anyway, he finds an empty apartment and he finds a newspaper and sees the date. It's 2015. And I like, again, uh, on the paper we have Miss Marvel and Miles Morales uh, labeled in the headline as Avengers. And I really enjoyed the color work for his kind of memory. We have like orange and greens. Looks really cool, especially the one of him at the dinner table with his family. Yeah, that was nice. So I also thought it was interesting because he sees this hat. And I, for the life of me, cannot remember if this is from the original storyline or not. And I apologize for that. I thought of Indiana Jones. Yes, it looks like Short Round's hat. Yeah. For sure. Dr. Jones. Yeah. Dr. Jones, Dr. Jones. But um, I either didn't know, either this is new. I don't think it is. I think it's probably from the original and I just forgot. Right? I thought it was interesting that he named his son Scotty. Because, I mean, the only Scott he really knows, that we know of, is Scott Summers. Yeah. And they never really got along on that great. Hmm. So it's interesting that he would name his His son son after him. I do love how he finds the one apartment where the clothes actually fit him. Yeah, well, you know. The the joys of uh, comic book (laughs) artistry. Or TV shows or movies or anything where you need a convenient wardrobe. Wardrobe yeah. change. You always bust into some random apartment and the person yeah. happens to fit your size. Yeah, and the person happens to have wall stickers of Iron Man and Captain America. I just noticed that. But yeah, so, you know, the hat gives him, makes him trip on a memory uh, back in the wasteland. And he's riding with his son, Scotty, on a horse through the desert. I, you know, you say what you want. On a horse? Wait. He went to the desert on a horse with, with no, no name. name. Yeah. yeah, that's what I was looking for. Um, but I love the colors of the desert in this book. I do too. Uh, the the sun and just how it looks hot and dry and, and cinematic. I really enjoyed it. If anything, it maybe looks a little too much like a Zack Snyder movie, but that's okay. But yeah, so they're riding along and they come to an old crashed shield helicarrier, which just reminded me of Star Wars. It, um, yeah, it has that Star Wars-esque feel yeah, to it. Yeah, it does. Um, and so there's there's a market there, and he's they're trying to get a, a belt for their tractor. They're going to trade jam for it. Yep, Pearl Jam. Apple Jam. <laughs> Apple Jam, yeah. Is that? No. 
Yeah, Apple yeah, Jam. Apple Jam. And for some reason, everybody wants Scotty's dirty old hat. It's disgusting. Yeah, but the lady who's bartering wants the hat. Then these guys show up, and I was a little confused here with the coloring, because I couldn't tell if these guys have been hulked up, and they're supposed to be like a greenish tone, or if it's just the color and the thing. But anyway, we, we meet uh, the black butcher, and... They talk about him as being kind of an Avengers villain reject. I don't remember if this guy is legit or not. So that when I got to this part, you know who this character reminded me of? Who? Merle from Walking Dead. I can see that. Yeah. 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 Real snarky, real, what's up, boy? Right. Yeah. I can definitely see that. So anyway, he talks about how badass Wolverine used to be. Used to be. Yeah. And Wolverine's like, I don't, I'm not looking for a fight. You know, then uh, Biff comes in and calls him chicken. He goes, fuck, fuck, fuck. And Logan and slowly, slowly makes a fist. And the, then doesn't do anything. Right, yeah. So then the, the black butcher takes Scotty's hat. He's like, and <laughs> old man Logan's like, give it back. <laughs> this is so un-Logan to me. Well, he's he's made a vow not to pop his claws. Yes, and he explains later that he knows if he did anything, his family would be in danger. And yes. so he's looking out for his family. But it just seems very... He's, he's defeated. Yeah. And obviously so. Then not only does he take Scotty's hat, but the butcher slaps Scotty in the face. And that's when Logan makes his uh, Back to the Future fist. But then he, uh, he relaxes and he's like, all right, let's go, son. And then they ride off on their horse. Another great sun and desert panel with the plateaus and mesas and all that. Looks really good. And Scotty's like, Dad, why are you letting him talk to you like that? What I find interesting is why did he take his son in the first place? I actually asked myself this question because the son refers to mom and daughter. Right, being left at home. Right, and that he's worried about it. And part of me feels like, would Logan take his son and leave his daughter and wife alone? Or would he leave his son and be like, you're the man of the house? Yeah. Unless, you know, he knows his son needs to learn how to trade. So. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. I struggled with that. And I thought about it for a while. Like, what do I think Logan would do? And part of me feels like Logan would keep him at home. I can see it either way. Yeah. So I don't have really necessarily an issue with it. So then we snap back to real time, and Logan has one more kind of flashback. We do get a repetitive thing here that I like, but I imagine you may have beef with it. When we get the same kind of red rain in the background yeah. that we got from the very awesome panel in the miniseries um, where the Hulk gang killed his family. Then he luckily finds a little bucket of pins, and he starts writing stuff on his... Um, arm okay let's take note of this okay it's not a sharpie it's a pin pin it's a pin yeah okay Okay. i just want everyone to take notice of this so anyway uh, i really like his dialogue here he says what happened happened except it ain't happened not yet then it hits me there's got to be a reason i've been sent back in time me of all people maybe i've been sent back to make things right Maybe I've been sent to do the thing I do best. And I know just where to start. I don't know why he's talking dumb in his inner monologue. Maybe I've been. I know Logan's not the Maybe most I've been so person. beat down, I'm going <laughs> to just talk this way. Yeah. 
But anyway, I, I also like the colors in this section, especially the bottom panel where it goes from like orange in the sunset to the blue of the night Yeah. around his hand. And basically he goes around interrogating people, trying to find the black butcher. Then we get an awesome double page spread. That's yes. Amazing. And it's Sorrentino's more... uh, tribute to Dark Knight Returns. So here's the deal. I think it's more amazing on the iPad because, again, there's no fold. Yeah. But your colors are more in line with how I feel like it should look. Uh, yeah, I would agree with that. Anyways, uh, Old Man Logan jumping off a building. We have skyline and silhouette in the background. A dark blue sky and then a lightning bolt behind Logan's silhouette. is is very much uh, Dark Knight Returns. And he even says he signed this page. I think he's assuming or making a poster out of this or something. But it, he has his autograph and it says After Miller. So it's obvious that he was paying homage to Frank Miller in Dark Knight Returns. But it works. It's really, really cool. It's very cool. So then he crashes through a window to find the Black Butcher. Oh, and look, we do the thing in the box again. Yeah, and we do, you know, we awarded Sorrentino a Wolfie last year, <laughs> like it was so long ago, uh, for 2015 for his snicked with the, the claws versus shotgun snicked. Well, you know, I we mentioned when we gave that award that we had a few examples to choose from. Right. And so we get another one. We get kind of the same thing where we have... Logan's red snick versus the blue fzz of the black butcher's whatever he has, his wrist taser. Over it. I still thought it was cool, but I, like I said, I, I see your point. I don't know. I'm over it. Right. I kind of feel like, yeah, it was cool last year. Come up with something new. Am I being too harsh? I don't know. I mean, it hits people different ways. It, I did really like the color work on the panel where Wolverine gets tased. Yeah. And how he is kind of like the the where they decide to color and where they don't, I thought looked really cool. Yeah. But then he cuts off the butcher's arm. With the red, rainy-looking background. Yeah. Which this time it was more like static. But um, anyway, it's supposed to be emotive, and it worked for me. So he comes up, and the black butcher's like, whoa, wait a second, I'm not that bad. And there's the box again. I'm only a super villain. A B-lister at best. And really, probably more like D. But, um, and Logan's like, you hit my boy. And he's like, what are you talking about? He's like, I didn't do anything. And he does an awesome classic Wolverine thing where he puts his fist under the guy's chin. Yeah, I did like that. And normally, he'll, like, pop a claw, like, two claws on both sides of the face. Maybe nick him a little bit. Like, yeah. And then, like, threaten him with a third claw and they'll pass out or something. He'll go on his way. Right. Ah, uh, this Logan's a little more brutal. He's been through some shit. And uh, he basically, in an awesome Snicked, that I will nominate for Snicked of the Year, uh, our first nomination, he does it. He goes through with it. And we get a nice big red Snicked with the claws kind of in the background of the letters. Yeah. It's really cool. And he kills the guy. And then I really like how they back out. And they go to all white except for Logan and the butcher's corpse and then like the blood on the wall trailing down. Yeah. I thought that was really, really nice looking. It's a nice contrast to everything yeah. else that's been going on. Yes, and then, yeah, definitely. And uh, so Old Man Logan says, all right, well, that's the first guy on my list. I'm going to stop the future. Okay. He pulls out a pen. Pulls out his not Sharpie. Uh-huh. Okay. How many days do you think have passed? 
Well, he says two. Okay. Two days have gone by. Yeah. He's probably been sweating, beating up people, trying to find the butcher, (laughs) right? Yes. Okay. He's been tased a couple times, so I'm sure he's been sweating over that as well. And we'll just safely assume he hasn't taken a bath. No. No. Okay. Wolverine don't take baths. Okay. Now... Let me ask you a question. When you write on your hand mm-hmm. to remember something to bring home or to pick up on the way home. Yeah, day and a half tops. Okay. But it, it fades. Yeah. It's not as clear and as sharp. Yeah, but we still got to read it. We're the reader. Uh-huh. So what does he do? Trace over it every day? Yeah. Uh-huh. And he carries the same. Well, this pen looks like a Sharpie. No, it doesn't. It looks felt to me. Okay, I have a felt pen at work, and it is mm-hmm. not a sharpie. If I wrote on it by the, if I wrote on my skin by the end of the day, my skin would have absorbed so much ink that it wouldn't be crisp and sharp. Okay, I'm well, just saying. The point is, this panel. He looks, has a list on his forearm. Yeah, and it looks fake to me. And it, I. It kind of does. Even the hand looks like it, it's a detached arm. Well, it doesn't even look like the words are written on the arm. It no. looks like they're. Like it's a transparency, <laughs> you yes, know, like at school. Yeah. Sorry, it's just another one of my nitpicky. No, this is why I don't like the art. It's not the best visual, but it's a cool list. So he scratches out the butcher, and then underneath, I, I guess, an order, he has Banner, Mysterio, and Red Skull. And so he's going to go after the Hulk. Interesting. And what he doesn't know is that Banner is not the Hulk anymore. Uh oh. We have a new Hulk in town. So that'll be really interesting to see how they played that out. And I'm kind of stoked. I mean, remember Wolverine first appeared in the Hulk. That's where he started. Right. And so, and they have a long, violent history together. So, you know, I'm definitely interested to see where that goes. Actually, it would have been cooler had his first encounter been with the Hulk in this one. You can't blow your load in the first issue. No, but I think it would have been interesting if his first one was about him going after, like, He's trying to find Banner. Like, I'm going to take out the butcher, but he's going to tell me where Banner is. So, like, it all oh, ties together, okay. you right. know, since yeah. his first appearance was with the Hulk. Unless he just knows at this point that the butcher has, in this point in time, has nothing to do with Banner. Mm, that's true. But yeah, so what do you think of the art? <laughs> Dare I ask? That's what I think of it. Way to blow the levels. Um, Sorry. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm the opposite. I didn't think it was perfect, but I enjoyed it. I love the color work, and I loved... Oh, yeah. Maiolo did a great job. Uh, we'll be winner, Maiolo. The panel of him jumping with the lightning behind him and the other oh, panel so yeah. of you know him doing the classic Wolverine Jesus pose. Like Those two, to me... Were the best. Everything else was just kind of, eh. and I guess I'm getting tired of the same. Like, here's the thing: tricks. if his, yeah, he's got a handful of tricks, great, but don't use them on every other page. <laughs> I mean, I literally could guess and be like, "We're gonna have a little monochromatic square of the next panel." Bink. Right. Yep, that I'm right. right. That that is like I said. That's fair. I don't. I don't. It didn't bother me as much as it bothered you, but I I see your point. I think it bothered me because I already was so not into the art. 
<laughs> Had I been a little bit more into the art, I would have been like, eh, it was okay. It was a little repetitive. But because I wasn't into it to begin with, right. it was like, oh, you again. <laughs> All right. Well, we will agree to disagree on the art. What did you think of the story overall? I don't like time travel. I don't like well, but that's dimensional just, shifts. That's just how we get here. And the story's not really about time travel anymore. No, but I just think, I feel like... It's flawed. And maybe that's the thing is Logan is so flawed in his thinking because he's so old. Like he's having serious he's stubborn. Dementia. He's always been stubborn. I know, but I just, I kind of feel like eh, I can see where he kind of comes up with this idea. But at some point he's got to give it up. I can't see him going through and killing the Hulk. Well, no, he's not going to kill the Hulk. No, but... I don't know. I just kind of, I'm like, really? You, this was predictable. And it was only predictable once I read, once we got through the whole, he's going to go trade jam for a belt. It was like, oh, he's thinking about this because he's going to go kill this person in his world that he's in now. <laughs> and uh, that's, yeah. See, I, I think Logan is using, I think there's part of him that really believes, okay, I'm going to prevent, I'm going to make sure even though I know my future has been changed or whatever, I'm just going to make sure that it can't happen because I'm going to remove all the pieces from the board. But I honestly believe, while some of that is sincere, it's also an excuse for him to just go on a vengeance quest. Well, but the, and that's the other thing is, I guess that's the part I didn't understand. He's taking these people out so that they can't do what they did, but his family doesn't live in this time. No, he has no family. They, they don't exist yet. I think he's just mad and needs something to take his anger out on. And this is what he's going to do. And that, to me, is not its not the most responsible thing, but it, it feels like Logan. I mean, that's something he would do. But does it? Yeah, especially like older Logan. Like, and I don't mean older age. Like older, like in the 80s Logan. Totally. See, I guess I kind of feel like... The, I mean, the last Logan we saw before he died was a very slightly reserved. I mean, yes, when he knew he was dying, he didn't really give a rat's patootie. But before that, I felt like he was kind of reserved and he was kind of like, I got to think about this because I got to think about what's right and what's easy. Right. And, you know, it's always a, a task to do what's right, but I need to try. And I kind of feel like he's like, well, see, forget that trying. And that's what I hope Lemire kind of pulls back around. And then he kind of goes off on kind of this anger-fueled quest and kind of realizes that he's losing himself along the way. And that's how he kind of comes back to, like, the samurai thing and the honor thing. Because I don't want to lose that. But I, I guess to me, like, this whole issue felt like an older Clint, like, an old, this time I do mean age, like an older Clint Eastwood movie like Grand Torino or something like that, where it's just an old man who's a little bit tougher than he should be. Do you feel lucky? And he's, he's mad as hell. <laughs> and he's just, he's on a quest to just inflict pain on everybody he can come in contact with. Yeah, I, yeah. I just, I don't feel like that. A dirty, hairy kind of thing. Yeah. You yeah. feel lucky, punk? <laughs> I just, I don't, I don't know. Right. I, I read it and was like, this doesn't even feel like Logan but then again you've been reading Wolverine comics a whole lot longer than I have so you have a better feel for what the character probably has developed into 
like where they came from. So you kind of understand the psychology of maybe where he's coming from now. Whereas my knowledge and my vision of Logan is slightly smaller. But to me, I was like, I don't even know who this person is. Like, is, <laughs> And maybe that's the whole point is they can reinvent him as someone who he's not because he comes from this whole other universe. Well, I, I think Lemire would say that he wants us to feel like just an old, defeated Logan. I think the shadows on his face and stuff, it shows that he's kind of a shell of himself. But if he, okay, I guess point. that's the point. If he is a shell of himself, if you have someone who feels so incredibly defeated, do you see them going on a vengeance quest? I kind of see them hiding in a hole and trying not to be discovered. Logan doesn't hide in a hole. And he, and he tried that and it didn't work out. He hid in a hole when these guys were beating up his family and his kids. Yes, but that was before. The end of Old Man Logan, which I guess, I don't know, maybe it doesn't happen anymore. But he ends up having to break his vow and pops his claws and becomes a hero again. And so I guess I'm assuming that doesn't happen anymore. So we need to see another journey of him moving from the broken man back to the hero. And so I'm willing to hang in with Lemire and see how he does that or if he does it. Okay. All right. Well, uh, let's not beat it to death. We're obviously going to have different scores on this. Obviously. Uh, what are you gonna What are you gonna give Old Man Logan number one? Mm. I'm torn between a two and a three. Here, okay. I'm gonna give it a middle of the road because if you loved the art from uh, Sorrentino, right? Well, it's not if did you, which you didn't. So no, I'm just saying if other listeners out there, <laughs> I don't want someone to go. Well, Denise bashed it. It's horrible because if you love that kind of art. And you were digging it, no matter what the storyline was. I think you might enjoy it. But eh, if you're like me, you're not really going to enjoy it. Just borrow somebody's. (laughs) (laughs) You borrowed mine, so we're all good. Yeah, but it still came out of the same budget. (laughs) (laughs) Hmm. (laughs) All right, so where are you going to land? I'll I'll give it a three. A very weak, limp... (laughs) They didn't pop all at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> Three. All right. Fair enough. Well, I'm going to give Old Man Logan number one five out of six claws. I had a good time with it, and I can't disregard your criticisms. They just didn't have the same negative impact on me that they did for you. I'm just starting to wonder if it's pregnancy hormones. <laughs> I Am know. I going to pop this kid out and be like, I love everything again. I, I'm going to say, you know, when we move to the next segment of this episode, her, her, regardless of what her scores are, you can't blame those on the pregnancy. You can only blame the comics. <laughs> okay. But for this one, we'll be different. So that's old man Logan number one. Denise probably doesn't care about number two. I'm pretty stoked to see you. Old Man and Logan fight the Hulk again. So. Eh. <laughs> All right, well, let's uh, move on. Moving on. All right, up next we have X Marks the Spot. Um, I'm going to fly solo for the rest of the episode. Um, Denise is having some uh, possible Braxton Hicks, so she's going to bow out for the, the remainder, but there's not too much left to talk about. We have two books, Extraordinary and Uncanny X-Men, both of which I'll... Uh, have reviews about on the Intercomics podcast website. 
We will start with Extraordinary X-Men, which features Old Man Logan. This is EXM number six, and it's written by Jeff Lemire, with art by Victor Ibanez, colors by J. David Ramos, and letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. The cover is by Umberto Ramos and Edgar Delgado. It's kind of a painted-looking cover with some of the Extraordinary X-Men and then in, on the bottom it's Weird World. I don't really care for this cover, to be honest. It doesn't look great. I've kind of gotten where I don't. Not really loving Ramos's interpretation of these characters, necessarily. The, the lipless old man Logan is a little more than I can, can continue to bear. And Magic and Storm and Colossus all look weird on this cover. But they're not the ones in Weird World, so I don't know. Anyway, um... So basically, the X-Men go to Weird Weird World to rescue some mutants that got lost there. And then Gene talks about trying to help Nightcrawler because he's broken mentally. And then the new um, mutant, um, oh, what's her name? Sapna, the Demon Whisperer. Uh, she shows magic these new doorways in Limbo, these, these portals or whatever. And that's pretty much it. Didn't really care for the art that much. The, um, I think Ibanez is the guy that did at least part of the Storm solo series, the last one, I think. And actually, his Storm is not bad, but all the other characters, I didn't really... It's not terrible. I just didn't really care about it. It made no impression, really, one way or the other. It's just kind of there. Kind of like Ibanez guitars, in my opinion. <laughs> so maybe it's a name thing. <laughs> Just kidding. For all our Ibanez listeners, I'm sure you're all extraordinary. But yeah, I don't know. It was. It just seemed very forgettable to me, and I don't don't mean to offend. It's just it just didn't really didn't really stoke my fire at all. And of course, we end the big reveal is that the new the mutants that they're looking for include among their members Sunfire, which you know, if you know me, you know I don't really care about Sunfire one way or the other. Um, he does have his old school uh, Masters of the Universe Merman mask on. So, all right, whatever. As far as the writing, it's not a bad premise. I mean, so the idea is that there was Cerebro was tracking this group of mutants from Asia. They had gotten together and they were going to fly over to New York. I guess they didn't know that the X-Men weren't there anymore. But anyway, as they were flying across, the plane got lost and kind of inadvertently happened through a portal to Weird World or whatever. You know, kind of a Bermuda Triangle, Land of the Lost type story. Which could have been really interesting and fun. But there's no fun in this issue at all. It's just kind of slogged along. I take that back. Old Man Logan in this issue is a caricature of like a grumpy old man. And him and Iceman bickering back and forth is actually pretty entertaining. The rest of the issue was very just not that interesting. Which is too bad, because like I said, I mean, the idea of, you know, the X-Men going to this kind of weird place where there's weird creatures and stuff because a plane, like, got lost there and they kind of rescued the mutants. And maybe we'll get more of that next issue, I don't know. But this issue, there were several panels in Weird World, and and other than having a, what do they call it, a rhinocetops, a rhinosaur, yeah, which were big, giant, rhinoceroses with horns on the side and armor on their head and they were ridden by some blue alien guys 
That's about all we got that was all that weird. Yeah, anyway, I, whatever. This this book is in serious danger of, of completely losing traction with me. Which is too bad, because the first issue was so great, and it's just kind of steadily gotten more and more un, uninteresting as it goes. Um, I'm hoping it can turn around, so we'll see. But I'm going to have to give Extraordinary X-Men number 6 two out of six claws, where I just don't care. So we also have Pussycat Sabretooth and Uncanny X-Men number two. This is written by Colin Bunn with pencils by Greg Land, inks by Jay, shh, listen, colors by Nolan Woodard, and letters by VC Joe Caramagna. The cover is by Land and Woodard. Now on this cover, we have Sexy Mystique on top of a pile of incapacitated soldiers holding a gun and flame in the background. And I think I said something to this effect in my review, my written review for the Intercomics podcast, which you should check out. I'm not sure if this is like badass female character, um, you know, kicking butt and taking names, or if it's just like a 90s fanboy wet dream. (laughs) And maybe it's some kind of weird mixture of both. I just don't know. I mean, it's well drawn. But it's just weird. It's weird mystiques, you know, kind of Ooh. pose. And, um, you know, she has a big gun, like from the 90s. And she's on, you know, she kicked butt, but she's all sexy. No, oh, whatever. It is what it is, I guess. So we start off in San Francisco uh, with Mystique reprising her role as Jennifer Lawrence. She's just a quote-unquote hot blonde chick working at the office, but... At the Someday Corporation, which remember, the X Men fought, the Uncanny X Men fought in issue one. They're uh, cryogenically freezing mutants for a better day. But she gets found out, and so she turns blue and fights. And the fight's all right. Honestly, my highlight is the uh, the office equipment flying through the air during the fight. I particularly like the scissors and the roll of scotch tape. <laughs> Or the dispenser. I don't know. There's something about the way they're drawn and inked and colored. And the way the whole scene is colored. That looks really cool. Of course, Mystique uh, does kick ass and take names. And then we get some random sexy face at the end of the fight. Where Mystique, after she uh, beats everybody up, she makes a sexy face and licks her lips. Like she's about to uh, pleasure somebody. Which, I think I also said this in my review. I'm probably going to repeat myself a lot for my review. Because I already wrote it. <laughs> and it's hard to put that out of my mind. But there is a certain fairness to that in that Mystique historically kind of gets off on fighting and action and stuff like that. So it's not completely out of character. It's just not completely necessary either. Especially when, you know, Greg Land is already kind of critiqued for being a little too sexy sometimes. But anyway, that's what he does. Uh, so she gets out of there. Uh, Psylocke and Magneto kind of argue a little bit. Uh, Psylocke doesn't really agree with Magneto's methods as far as turning those mutants loose from issue one. And then we get a little sense of mystery as, you know, while they're telepathically arguing, we get a red-eyed archangel for just flash in for one panel and flash back out. And Psylocke is like, huh? (laughs) And we don't really know what happened there or why his eyes were all beating and red. So I guess we'll find out more about that later. Um, but I liked that, you know, during this scene, kind of sets up kind of these um, opposing 
leadership roles between Magneto and Psylocke, and I like that and think there could be some really good conflict down the road with that. So that was interesting. Then the rest of the issue kind of focuses on Pussycat, Sabretooth, and Monet. And so what, we, what we're what f- we finding here now is that they don't know it's a Dark Rider yet, but we do as a reader. But they do know that whoever these bad guys are, they're targeting mutant healers. And so they figure out where the closest healers are. They, they're going to go and try to save them, kind of one at a time. I don't know if I like that better or worse than Jack's theory from last issue that the Dark Riders were just going to follow the X-Men around and, and kill everybody they saved. I'm not sure which is a better premise, but, you know, they're both. I mean, this one's fine to you, I guess. So they're going, for some reason, undisclosed at this point, they're going to try to kill all the mutant healers. So Sabretooth and Monet are going to track down Elixir. He's doing some uh, humanitarian relief-type work at a, at a church or a community center of some sort. I'm not exactly sure. But um, they find him, and he's like, oh, no thanks. Um, but, you know, they're going to help him anyway. And then the Dark Riders show up. We get a nice fight. And the, you know, Monet and Sabretooth hold their own. But then Monet comes outside to find that the Dark Riders have uh, basically executed everyone that was working at the center with Elixir. Then Elixir's like, no, I can't let him get away with that. And he goes outside to heal them all, displaying an un- unknown level of power up until now. So they didn't know he could do that. The Sabretooth's like, no, it's a trap! <laughs> uh, Admiral Akbar Sabretooth. And sure enough, he goes outside, starts healing them, and uh, the Dark Rider in the Green Hood shoots him through the chest. And he's dead, apparently. And so that's it. Um, the art was fine, other than the one panel of Mystique's sexy face. But I will say, Monet was a lot less sexualized this issue than she was the first one. And there's some really good uh, facial expressions. The action is nice and tight. It's not maybe as super fluid, but that's okay. It went fine. The colors were really good, I thought. Really enjoyed the colors. And the story, I thought, was good. It's definitely kind of borrowing from kind of the feeling and mood and tone of like some 90s X-Men, but it's some of the better 90s X-Men, and it's not in a bad way. So I don't, I know a lot of times people say, oh, 90s comics, and it's automatically a put down. I don't necessarily mean it that way. You know, we'll, we'll see how it continues to play out. But I, I thought this was a nice, solid issue overall. Sabretooth looked agitated the whole time, which I thought was appropriate for the character. So I enjoyed the way that both Bun and Land handled Sabretooth. Yeah, I'm just going to say overall, this issue was just a nice, solid X-Men issue. And didn't, like, kick the doors in, but it was it was enjoyable. I enjoyed reading it and... And, you know, I'm going to definitely look forward to staying on, whereas I'm, you know, a little more cautious about Extraordinary X-Men. I'm a little more optimistic about Uncanny. So I'm going to give Uncanny X-Men number two, four out of six claws. And that is X marks the spot. All right, so that's going to do it for episode 164. I hope you enjoyed it. Another issue of of Denise and I um, kind of being diametrically opposed in our comics. So, um... (laughs) I think that makes for good podcasting, so I hope you agree and enjoyed the episode. So next up, hopefully, we're going to try to do the uh, the old flashback with Dan again. Hopefully that'll that'll work out. And yeah, so until next time. Oh wait, plugs, plugs, plug, 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 plug.
<laughs> if I ever do a plugs theme for uh, Comedy Bang Bang, I'm going to base it on um, Wake Me Up Before You Go-Go intro from by Wham, um, <laughs> which I should. And if anyone else does it first, screw you, because it's my idea, dang it. But anyway, uh, like the Facebook page. Twitter is at SnickCast. Email us, SnickCast at Yahoo.com. Um, show notes and stuff are SnickCast.Podbean.com. And that's it. So now, until next time, hugs and snicks. Bye. And snacked. Never gets old. Hope you like it.